Proper guidance is essential to living a godly life. This message is the fourth in the series, Teach Us to Pray. The message is entitled, Guide Us. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Go ahead and grab your Bibles. Your teaching sheets are there online for you as we're continuing our series together entitled, Teach Us to Pray, Prayers That Get Answers. The importance of praying prayers that get answers. And I want to talk this weekend about a very important aspect of prayer. I want to talk to us about the prayer of guidance, asking God to guide us. The genesis of this series really in my own heart goes back to a request made by one of Jesus' disciples one day after Jesus had been praying and one of the disciples came to him as recorded in Luke chapter 11 verse number one. Once Jesus was praying in a certain place when he stopped praying, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. There in this moment, this one particular disciple, we do not know his name, he comes to Jesus having seen Jesus pray and having been deeply impressed with Jesus' prayer life, and he says, Lord, would you teach us to pray? I think that's a tremendous prayer for us even in this moment. In fact, why don't you say those words with me, Lord, teach me to pray. Let's say it together, Lord, teach me to pray. In response to this particular request of this disciple, Jesus gave us what we call the model prayer. It's referred to oftentimes as the Lord's Prayer. It's really not so much the prayer of the Lord as much as it is a prayer that you and I are to pray as Jesus' disciples. And it's recorded for us in various places in the Gospels. I'm going to take you to the book of Matthew, chapter 6. Let's take a look at how we are to pray. Jesus gave us the answer to this request in these words. This then is how you should pray. Remember the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus now says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, why don't you read this together with me, wherever you are right now, let's read it. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Then he goes on to say, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, this particular uh, prayer that Jesus gave us or model that Jesus gave us in terms of how to pray uh, includes lots of different things. We've talked about a variety of those things already. We've talked about the prayer of surrender, your kingdom come, your will be done. We talked about the prayer of forgiveness, the importance of praying through our sins, asking God to forgive us as we forgive others. And today I'm going to talk about something that's in this prayer that is not specifically stated, but it's definitely implied. And all throughout this prayer is a request for the guidance of God, that God would be actively involved in our lives. I want to share with you three things about a prayer that I can assure you, if you'll pray it sincerely, this prayer will be answered. It's the prayer of guide us. And there are three things I'd like to share with you today that will help us to understand how to pray effectively this prayer, this guide us prayer. Number one, the quality of our decisions, important to remember that the quality of our decisions will determine the quality of our life. Your life, my life is a journey. You are going somewhere. You are on the road to somewhere in your life right now. You're on a particular point in the journey and your journey is taking you somewhere. 
and the experiences and the destination of your journey is always going to be determined by the decisions that you make. Just like any journey in life, if you're going down a particular road, uh, where you end up is going to be determined by where, whether you turn to the right or to the left or you stay on the straight and narrow pathway, if you will. Your destination is determined by the decisions that you make in the journey. Think about a, a leisurely cross-road, cross-country uh, road trip that you might take. And think about the decisions that go along with a road trip of that nature. You've got to make sure if you're going to get to the right destination, you're going to make it to, from the East Coast to the West Coast. You want to make sure that you get the right roads. If you're not on the right roads, you'll never make it. You want to make sure if you're on a leisurely trip that you are looking for the best scenery along the way. What will be the most memorable trip that I can take? What will be the most important places for me to stop along the journey? And how will I make sure that I know when I get there? How will I know that I've arrived at my destination? And none of these things, the ability to get on the right road and to see the right scenery and to make sure you get where you want to get to in terms of your destination, none of it's, none of it's possible without clear directions. You have to have directions. And along with those directions, you have to actually follow the directions if you're going to have a good travel experience. It doesn't mean that everything is going to always go smooth on the trip. You may have a, a flat tire along the way. You may have some repairs that need to be done to your automobile. There may be things that happen in your journey. And of course, that is, is a part of the journey. But at least you know you're on the right road. You're seeing the best scenery and you're headed toward your destination. So again, it doesn't ensure that everything in the trip is going to go exactly like you want it to go, but it does ensure that you'll get where you need to be. It's very important that you get the right instructions and that you follow them. Let me ask you a very important question. Let's translate this into our lives just for a moment. Think about your life right now. What plans or what directions are you following for your life? Do you have any plans? Do you have any directions for your life? Have you made up your own plans? Have you determined, well, this is where... I want to go, or maybe you're following somebody else's plan for your life, or maybe you're following the world's plan for your life. You might even be following the devil's plan for your life, or maybe you're, you're not sure if you even have a plan. And the Bible says that when we're following our own pathway, our own plan, or following somebody else's plan, some human plan for our lives, or when we're following certainly the world or the devil's way of living, uh, we're, we're actually doing something the Bible refers to as foolish. It is a very foolish way to live. Let me take you to the book of Proverbs chapter 28, verse 26. Listen to what it says. Those who trust their own insight, that is their own direction, their own choices, those who trust their own insight are, what's the next word there? They're foolish. But anyone who walks in wisdom is safe. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 2 says, a wise person chooses what the right road, a fool takes the wrong one. Matthew 7, verse 26, Jesus made it very clear. Anyone who hears my teachings, that is, my directions for their life, my map, if you will, my guidelines for getting them where they need to be, anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey them, that doesn't follow my instructions, is like a foolish person who built a house on sand. 
Paul the Apostle brings us around to this as well. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17, listen to what he says about getting on the right road, making sure we're following the right directions. Ephesians 5, beginning in verse number 15, I'm reading from the New Century Version. It says, so be very careful how you live. Do not live like those who are not wise. Live wisely. That is, make wise decisions. Follow wise directions. Use every chance you have for doing good because these are evil times. So do not be foolish, but learn what the Lord wants you to do. He's implying here that it is a learning process, that you and I have to learn what God wants us to do. What are the directions that he has for our lives? So your decisions will determine your direction, and your direction will determine your destination. I'll say that again. Your decisions will determine your direction, and your direction will determine your destination. You will either end up at a foolish place or a wise place. The quality of our decisions will determine the quality of our life. Here's number two. The second thing that I want us to remember this weekend as we're talking about praying this prayer that God promises to answer, the guide us prayer. The second thing is that we need guidance from a good and wise guide. If you're going to get to the right place in life, you need some guidance and you need guidance from a particular kind of guide. You certainly need a guide, but you need a good and wise guide. You need a good, wise guide on your life journey. See, it's great when a guide not only directs you, but it's great when a guide goes with you. Over the years, I've had the privilege of leading numbers of different uh, tours to the Holy Land. As we've gone to the Holy Land, one of the things that we always make sure that we have with us is, is a guide. We make sure that on every bus we have someone that is there helping us to experience what we're seeing and where we're going from a perspective of history. And so the guide is a very valuable part of the process. While I will do biblical teaching at the various sites, the guide will help us to understand something of the context of the, of the land that we're looking at or the particular place where we might be. And that guide is so valuable valuable to us in the process. I would not want to go to the Holy Land or any specific place that I want to learn something without someone who's gone before me, someone that's able to show the way that's the right way to go to get to the sites that we need to see and someone that will affirm when we're on the right track and know when we're on the wrong track and somebody that's able to help us make the adjustments that are necessary on the journey or directing our attention to the key points of interest. All these things are vital to having a good guide that goes with you. And the Bible makes it so clear that God is a good and wise guide and that God actually wants to be your personal onboard life guide. Let me say that again. God Almighty, the God who created you, the God who created the universe, the very God who loves you so much that he sent his only begotten son into the world for you and for me, that same God, living God, the one God wants to be your personal life guide. You say, well, how do we know this is true? Let me take you to a few examples in the Bible or scriptures in the Bible that help us to understand that God wants to be our guide. Notice what David said in Psalm 23. 
the first three verses, the Lord is my shepherd. What does a shepherd do? A shepherd guides sheep. He says, the Lord is my, very personal pronoun, my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads, that's a guidance word. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me. There's that word again, along right paths, bringing honor to his name. So David said, I've learned something about the Lord. He's my shepherd. And as a shepherd, he is leading me and he's willing to guide me and get me to where I need to be in life. He's my personal guide. Psalm 32, verse 8, the Lord says, who says this? God says it. The Lord says, I will guide you. Notice that. I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. That's a tremendous promise. Maybe it's one of those promises that you need to pull out of Scripture and put on a card somewhere and remind yourself of on a regular basis. God says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Isaiah 42, verse 16. Again, God says, I will lead. There's the promise of guidance. I will lead blind Israel down a new path, guiding them along an unfamiliar way. I will brighten the darkness before them and smooth out the road ahead of them. Yes, I will indeed do these things. I will not forsake them. He's speaking to his nation Israel, but it certainly applies to us. He says, I'm going to lead blind Israel. Israel doesn't even know where to go, but I'm going to step in and be the lead, the guide for them. Exodus 13. Verses 21 and 22, listen to what it says. The Lord went ahead of them, speaking of the Israelites as they're walking through the wilderness on the way to the promised land. The Lord went ahead of them. He guided them. Do you see that in scripture? He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night. And the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. And so here are the people going along in this wilderness journey. And God said, I'm not going to leave you out here in the wilderness by yourself. In the daytime, you're going to have a pillar of cloud that's going to guide you as the pillar cloud moves, you follow it. And at nighttime, there'll be a pillar of fire that will be there for you because I'm not going to leave, leave you directionless in the wilderness. I'm going to make sure that I guide you through this. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, perhaps you know this one by memory, but it's very important, a very important guidance passage. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not depend on your own understanding, your own plans, your own, uh, your own machinations about how life should be. Seek his will. That's God's will. Seek what God wants in all you do. And he will notice this. He will show you which path to take. This, again, is a promise of guidance from God. God wants to be your personal guide. Now, I could take a lot of time this weekend and give you a lot of different examples in the Bible of people who experienced in a very personal way, the guidance of God. Let me give you just five of these very quickly. These are going to be on your notes, but I want you to, to be encouraged by how God worked in these five individuals' lives. You see it in King David. There was a time when the Philistines were trying to attack a particular group of people, and David needed to know what to do. And so David valued and he sought the guidance of God. Notice 1 Samuel 23, verse 2. David asked the Lord, should I go and attack them? Yes, go and save Keilah, the Lord told him. So God says, yeah, now that you've asked me what you should do, this is the direction that I want you to take. You remember Solomon, right? Solomon was the third king of Israel, and he was placed on the throne after David died. And 
God gave him this wonderful opportunity to pray any prayer he wanted to pray. He could ask for anything he wanted to ask for. And notice in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 7, the request that Solomon made. Now, O Lord my God, you've made me king instead of my father David, but I am like a little child who doesn't know his way around. I don't know which direction to take, he's saying. And here I am in the midst of your own chosen people, a nation so great and numerous that cannot be counted. Now here's his prayer. Give me an understanding heart. He's asking for guidance, understanding, so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for what? For wisdom. God was pleased that Solomon had asked for guidance, wisdom and guidance in his life. And of course, he granted that to Solomon along with lots of other blessings. The disciples, in fact, were instructed to be followers of Jesus. Now think with me for a moment. What does the word follower mean? The word follower means that you're following behind, that you, someone is in the lead. Someone is guiding you. You're not on your own. So a follower is someone that gets behind a lead, if you will. And Jesus made it clear that his disciples were to be his followers. He was to be their guide. Mark chapter one, verse 16 through 18. As Jesus walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, what's the next word? Follow, get behind me. Let me guide you. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. That's personal guidance. Jesus was the guide in their lives. Peter also was reminded of Jesus as a guide in his own life. He learned something about not engaging and worrying about the business of other people, but learning to be a follower of Jesus himself, not concerning himself with, with how other people were living their lives. The story is found in John chapter 21, and it's an amazing story. I would encourage you to read the entire chapter of John chapter 21, an amazing chapter. Let me just draw your attention to verses 20 through 22 of this moment when Peter is reminded that he's to be a follower of Jesus. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. That's John. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who's going to betray you? When Jesus saw him, that is when Peter, excuse, excuse me, when Peter saw him, saw who? Saw John. He asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if, you, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Notice the next statement. Peter, you must follow me. Learn how to let me be your guide. So I think so often in life, we get so caught up in what other people are doing and where their lives are going and what their lives look like. We start looking at them and start measuring our life against them. And exactly what Peter was doing, he was looking at John. He was saying, Jesus, what about him? What's his life going to be like? And Jesus drew Peter's attention away from John and back to himself, to Jesus, and says, Jesus says to him, Peter, what you need to be concerned with is let me be the guide of your life. Don't worry about what others are going, you worry about where you're going with your life. Paul himself, the great apostle, received guidance from God. Numerous occasions. Acts 16 is a great example of this. 
verses 9 and 10. Paul was trying to find out the next place he was to go to preach the gospel and plant churches. And he was trying to enter into Asia, but he couldn't get in. Some things were, were, were not working out for him. And so there's this moment that God gives him very clear direction. That night, this is Acts 16, verses 9 and 10. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia, northern Greece, was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us or God was leading us to preach the good news there. So here we see Paul receiving a very specific kind of guidance from God. And he goes into Macedonia and that's where Philippi was located. And of course, we have the great uh, New Testament book of Philippi, uh, Philippians, uh, the, to the church at Philippi. And all the wonderful things that happened as the gospel was opened up into European territory for the very first time. And so it's the guidance of God in Paul's life. So you see it over and over again, there are literally scores of scripture passages that we could look at that describe the fact that God wants to be your personal guide. He wants to travel, not just with you. He doesn't just want to hand you a map and say, hey, I hope you have a good time. He actually wants to get in the car with you and travel with you as your own personal guide. The third and final thing that I want us to talk about today is we're, we're discussing this idea, looking at this idea of the prayer, the prayer that says guide us, is to understand that prayer is the very thing that opens our hearts to the wisdom of God, to the guidance of God. You say, well, you know, this great pastor that the Lord wants to be our guide and all that, but I don't really know how that works. How, how do I get God to guide me? How do I know that he's going to step into my world and be my personal guide? How do I access this. Well, let me just say something as a digression just for a moment before I really explain how this works in the life of a believer. For you to experience Jesus as your guide, Jesus needs to be in your life. You can't experience Jesus as your personal guide if you don't know Jesus. You got to know him. You got to know the guide before you can get the guidance. Jesus said in, in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Jesus said, if you want to know God the Father and his will and guidance for your life, you come through me. And so the first step in receiving guidance from God is you've got to get to know the guide. And Jesus is that guide. He went to the cross. He died for your sins and my sins. He rose from the grave, proving that he was the very son of God. And then he comes and he says, I want to come into your life. I want you to turn your life over to me. And so when you turn your life over to Jesus, he comes into you. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And so Jesus enters into your life by the Holy Spirit, and he now lives inside of you. So my question now for you is this. Have you asked Jesus into your life? Do you know he's living in you? Because that's to have the guide in your life, you have to know him. You have to invite him in. And so uh, if you've never done that, that's the step you need to take today. That's the beginning part of this journey for you to, to get to know the guide, to invite him into your life. But once you've invited Jesus into your life and you're a follower of Jesus, then you now have to begin a process of learning how to let him guide you. And it's a learning process. 
None of us are perfect at it. We don't immediately get the concept of spiritual guidance right away, and we don't always do it right. And uh, my goodness, I've missed the mark many times, as I'm sure you have along the way. But we're learners. We're learning how to listen, learning how to accept the guidance of God, learning how to make adjustments when we've made mistakes along the journey. But there, there are three primary ways that God wants to guide you that I'm going to talk about today. There are others that we could talk about at another time. But for today's purpose, I want to talk about three primary ways that God begins to guide your life. The first way that God guides your life is through his word, through the Bible. Now, the Bible is a written record of God's works throughout biblical history, Old Testament and New Testament. But it's more than that as a living book for you and I today. It's not just a book that tells us stories that things that happened a long time ago, but actually it is a book of instruction. It is a book of, 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 of understanding, a book of wisdom. In fact, it is a book of guidance. We might say that it is our roadmap for living life. And so the Bible just isn't an ancient book about historical figures like Solomon and David and Paul and Peter and John, all these folks. No, it's not just that. It is that, but it's far more than that. It is a living, breathing book that when you and I pick up the Bible, the Holy Spirit who inspired the Word of God can speak to us off of the pages of His Word. And that's why you need to be in Scripture, because the Bible will guide you each day of your life as you open up the pages of God's Word. I cannot tell you how many times throughout my life when I needed to understand what to do next or to make a decision, there would be a scripture verse that I would read on a particular day that I'm facing something. And it was that verse that gave me the understanding of how I needed to handle something. Does that happen every day? No, it doesn't happen every day. Don't think it's going to be some massive revelation for you every day. But I will tell you this, if you stay in God's word every day, there will be those moments when God will show up through the pages of scripture and he will show you exactly what you need to do in your life, the decision that you need to make, the choices that need to flow from your life. He will make it clear through his word, but you can't find the guidance from his word unless you're in his word. God also uses his people. He uses his word. He uses his people. So you and I are part of a body. It's called the church, the body of Christ. And so God uses mature people in Christ. And it's very important, the people that you allow to have voices in your life, because sometimes people will speak the wrong things in your life, but you need to make sure you have mature, good voices, people around you that you're, you're connected to that can help guide you in the journey. I think about my life and the number of people throughout the days of my life who've helped me in my journey by providing that word that I needed in that moment that helped guide me down that next pathway. But here's the third thing that's vital. This is where we're going to land today. The third thing that is so important in understanding the guidance of God, letting God be your personal guide, is the very thing we're talking about, and that is prayer. Unless you pray, you're not going to receive the same kind of guidance as, unless it's a part of your life. If you don't pray, you're going to miss this part of the journey, miss this part of the input that God has for you. Listen to what James, the apostle, says in James chapter 1, verse number 5 through verse number 8. If you need wisdom, let's stop there for a moment. If you need what? Wisdom. Why would you need wisdom? Because wisdom tells you how to live, okay? Wisdom tells you what kind of decision to make. Wisdom gives you a pathway forward in life. So if you need wisdom, 
Now let's stop again for a moment and let's ask the question, do you need some wisdom? I sure do. I'm sure that you do as well. We all need wisdom. Why? Because if we don't have wisdom, we have the opposite of that, which is foolishness. And none of us want to live a foolish life. So if you need wisdom, which all of us do, notice now what it says, ask, circle that word on your notes or underscore it in your mind, ask our generous God. So if you need wisdom, what are we told to do? We're told to ask God. He's generous. And he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. This is prayer. But when you ask him, notice what word is used continually here? Ask, ask, ask. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is, un is as unsettled as a, as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they're unstable in everything that they do. And so God says, when you come to me and you need wisdom, I want you to ask but when you ask, ask in faith, ask believing that I'm going to actually supply this for you. Don't waver. Don't be a person who's tossed back and forth with this opinion and that opinion and what the world says over here and what this person says over there. No, come to me and let me be the solitary primary voice in your life, the voice that you're loyal to. Don't be divided. Put your faith in me. Ask believing that I will guide you. And so I want to conclude today by reminding you of a certain kind of prayer that you can pray. Again, how do you get guidance from God, his word, his people, but also through prayer? I'm going to give you some words, some phrases that will help you to understand the kind of prayer that opens you up to the guidance of God. I'll give you eight statements, eight words that will help you to understand this. Number one, it has to be a surrendered prayer. Don't go to God asking him for something and you've already made up your mind. You're going to say no to whatever he asks you for ask you to do. If, you, if you're already in a no mindset, don't expect God to speak to you. See, what you want to be when you go to God is you want to already be in the yes mindset. God, I'm surrendered to you. I'm, I'm going to come to you and ask you for wisdom. And whatever you're telling me to do, my answer has already been determined. My answer is yes. I've already written on a piece of paper. Yes, God, whatever it is you want me to do, the answer is yes. And so you don't go and ask for, for wisdom and have a debate with God as to whether you want to do it or not. No, you go to him with an open heart, a surrendered heart. Number two, you need to pray for wisdom with an honest and sincere prayer. What I mean by that is don't ask for wisdom if you really don't want it. Ask for wisdom out of an honest need in your life, a, a desperate need, you know, a willingness to say, I need wisdom, sincere about this God. I really need to know the right thing to do. I don't want to do my will. I don't want to do just what I want to do. I want to sincerely, honestly know what you are wanting for my life. Thirdly, it needs to be what I would call an obedient prayer. What I mean by that is that Here's the key. You don't want to go to God and ask him for the next thing he wants you to do if you're not doing the last thing he told you to do. If you're not doing what he's already told you to do, don't ask him for more guidance. What you want to do is make sure you're, you're doing what he's already asked you to do, okay? Being faithful of what he's asked you to do. He'll, he, he unfolds his plan as you and I are walking faithfully before him. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but when you blow it, you go back to God, ask for forgiveness, you get back on the right path again. And so what it is, you're, you're seeking to do the right thing in your life. So you're walking a pathway of obedience. You're not just going to God, living your own way. So, okay, God, what do you want me to do? God's going to say, well, by the way, why, why aren't you doing what I already asked? 
you to do. And so you live in obedience. Again, it's not perfect. It doesn't mean you're going to always be right on the right track, but it does mean your heart is open to be obedient to God. And then the fourth thing is you need to pray for wisdom. Ask God for guidance with what I would call a patient and persistent mindset in prayer. God's guidance doesn't always come just like this. Sometimes he's giving you the opportunity of praying through things. And so you have to be patient and persistent. Sometimes God's will opens up for you. God's plan and guidance will open up for you over a period of time. And so you continue to pray. You continue to be persistent in that prayer. And then number five, you need to be attentive when you pray. You're listening to his voice. You're listening to his word. Now, when I say listening to his voice, I'm not saying that you listen to all these voices in your head. I tell you, your heart voices in your head can, can really confuse you. And so you're not spending time trying to hear, what is, what is some, what's going on inside me? No, you don't live that way. You live based upon the word. So you're attentive. God, what are you saying to me through scripture? What are you saying to me through the people, the godly, mature people you've placed in my life? What do you say? I'm trying to be attentive to what you're trying to say to me, not making things up, not confirming what I want to do with my life, but am I attentive to God? Then number six, make sure you maintain humility. Make sure it's a humble prayer. What I mean by that is this. The key to finding guidance from God is that whatever God asks you to do in your life is that you want him to get all the glory for anything that comes out of it. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about us. It's about him. And so, God, I want your guidance because I want to be led, as David said, in paths of righteousness for your namesake. I want to make sure that your name is honored. So I know that if I'm on the right path, that, that my life really is going to slide to the background. You'll come to the forefront. And, and God, I want you to receive all the glory and you to receive all the honor. I don't want it to be about me. I want it to be about you. And then number seven. You need to pray this prayer, guide me, God, with a trusting and a believing heart. As James said, when you ask God for guidance, ask him believing that he's going to give it to you. Don't ask and then doubt that he would do so. No, ask with a belief that, yes, God is going to guide me. And the last thing I'll mention here, I think this is vital as a part of praying guide us prayers, is to pray what I would call scripture-based prayers. Find the prayers in the Bible. They're all kind of prayers in scripture. And just pray the same prayers that you find in the Bible. Greatest, one of the greatest places to do that is the book of Psalms. A good way to do that, for example, sometimes that I will follow the same pattern in my, my own life. As you read, you take the day of the month and you read the, the, the psalm that correlates with the day of the month. If it's the 20th of the month, you'll read Psalm 20. And then you'll read Psalm Add 30 days to that, Psalm 50, Psalm 80, Psalm 110, and Psalm 140. You've read five psalms that day, and in an entire month, there are 150 psalms in an entire month. You can read every, every month through the book of Psalms. And what you can do is read those psalms out loud. Many of them are praises to God, and many of them are prayers that David and others that are recorded in Scripture. But there are also other prayers in the Bible. So pray the prayers that you find in Scripture, Scripture-based prayers, seeking insight from God's Word and God's principles that apply to your situation and the decisions that you need to make. Why is prayer so important? I will tell you why prayer is so important because it is one of the main ways that you are prepared and capable of receiving guidance from God. See, the quality of your decisions and my decisions will determine the quality of our lives. That's why your decisions are so important. 
The quality of your decisions determine the quality of your life. And to have quality decisions, we need a good and wise guide. And God says, I want to be the personal guide for your life. I want to be the guide for you. You say, well, God, how do I let you guide me? Well, first of all, you have to know the guide, invite him into your life. And then once you've invited him into your life, you begin to study his word, his instructions in scripture. You make sure that you're surrounded by godly people that can have godly influence upon your life. And then you learn to pray because when you pray, you're opening your heart to the wisdom of God. Let's pray together right now. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity we've had this weekend to study your word. We're grateful that you've, you've promised to be our guide. Lord, you promised to lead us and guide us into paths of righteousness for your namesake. And I pray that as we're moving forward with our lives, you'll help us to make wise decisions. Forgive us when we get off of the straight and narrow path. Forgive us when we go our own way. And help us to come back to your way today. Help us to be obedient people. Help us to be responsive people to you. And I pray, Lord, in a very unique way that you'll begin to speak to our lives. Let us know the path that you want us to walk on. So we bring honor and glory to your name for that we thank you in Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus. I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.